Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. What is one of your greatest 4th of July experiences? Fireworks, I heard somebody say. <laughs> Just fireworks. And hopefully it wasn't like fireworks and then going to the hospital with, you know, missing digits or something like that. You know, 4th of July is a great time. I mean, typically there's, there's food involved, you know, whether you're grilling some food or maybe smoking some meat, you know, and having special desserts and just gathering with family and friends and, and praying for a beautiful day. Like, again, tomorrow it's going to be warm, but it could be warmer. But, you know, as I think about those experiences on the 4th of July, I, I go back a number of years ago in St. Louis, Missouri. It was hot and humid. It was St. Louis in July. It was hot and humid. Go figure. And when I first moved here, people said, oh, you're from Arizona, so you don't know what humidity is like. I've lived in St. Louis the last couple of years. I'll tell you what humidity is like. Ugh. At St. Louis, hot, humid, 4th of July. You know, we rode the metro to downtown St. Louis, went over along the river to the arch. It was a great time. There's lots of people there, a lot of activities going on. I mean, tens of thousands of people are here for this event and several other events happening at the same time. You know, and, and there's some great food, and, you know, we nestle down, get a spot sitting in front of the arch, and we're, you know, watch this fantastic air show. I don't know if you like air shows, you know, planes doing acrobatics and, and you know, of course, military planes, and even the stealth bomber that flew over, which you didn't know it was there until the pilot was like right there and just opened everything up, you know, as he goes off to the, to the next place. It was great. And then as, as, you know, the day began to wind down, uh, this guy named John Stamos, Stamos, you know, stood up there. And you guys know who John Stamos is? I mean, you know, an actor and, you know, Full House. And, you know, and he, he's there because he's going to introduce the band that he's going to play with. There's a bunch of guys from California called the Beach Boys. And so there we sat there, crowded with a bunch of people sitting on the grass, you know, underneath the arch, the Mississippi River, listening to the Beach Boys. It was fantastic. And you talk about an experience that you remember. And then the sun begins to set, and it gets dark. Beach Boys, you know, are done. And they begin playing, you know, patriotic-style music. And then the sky's just open. Sitting underneath the arch is the largest fireworks show west of the Mississippi. Wow. It was great. Sorry, you know, I have not seen a fireworks show that good since then. It was fantastic. You remember that, you, you, as you think about that, you know, tell stories about that, because it was a great experience. Well, today as we dig into God's Word, we dig into, you know, the story of who Jesus was, a true story of who He was. And we're going to dig into the text we heard just a little earlier, the end of Luke's Gospel. And, you know, let's put this into context really quick. End of Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter, you know, 24, this is as Jesus is gathering with His followers, His disciples on Bethany. It is in 40 days since Jesus rose from the dead, 40 days that he spends with his disciples and shows to others, proves to them that he's truly alive. You know, if you remember from Easter a couple of weeks ago, you know, actually a couple of months ago, um, that, you know, he would say to them, like, go ahead and touch me, feel me, see that I'm alive. So now he's been with them for 40 days, and he's preparing to return to his Father in heaven. They call this his ascension. He's going to ascend to his Father in heaven. And as he does that, he gives them some sending words. And in each of the Gospels, you know, captures different parts of these sending, the sending conversation. And, and these words that Luke has are, are just, they're, they're great words. And by the way, Luke, if you didn't know, Luke was a doctor. 
But he was kind of like also a journalist and historian. Because as he, you know, gives us this account of who Jesus is, you know, it, Luke chapter 1, the first verse says, to you most excellent Theophilus, this is, this, is, this is who Jesus was. This is all the stuff that happens. So kind of like a journalist, you know, he's doing some research. He's interviewing people. You know, he, he's talking to these, these people who witnessed, you know, Jesus healing somebody, who maybe even witnessed Jesus healing them, you know, a hand that was, you know, all curled up, and he healed their hand, or they couldn't walk, and now they could walk. Or that they, you know, they were, they were blind and now they could see. They were mute and now they could speak. Or that they were with a crowd of people, kind of like the 4th of July in St. Louis. Probably not humid, but maybe hot. And Jesus fed thousands and thousands of people. Luke gathers all of, you know, these events and, and he tells us, reports to us, who this Jesus is. And these are the words that he reports for us. As he, you know, listened to these witnesses, those who were there, and recorded these words for us, this conversation that Jesus has. Let's read these words together. He said to them, Scripture says that the Messiah would suffer and that he would come back to life on the third day. Scripture also says that by the authority of the Messiah, people would be told to turn to God and change the way they think and act so that their sins will be forgiven. You are witnesses of these things. So Jesus, preparing to return to his Father in heaven, is preparing his followers to go out for what's going to happen next. And he says these words, you are witnesses of these things. Well, the question is, you know, what things are they a witness of? And before we can answer that, we should maybe define, you know, what is a witness? So here's a dictionary definition of a witness. A witness is one who can give a firsthand account of something seen, heard, or experienced. So these that are gathered around Jesus, these are the ones that have been with him for three years. These are the ones that they were with Jesus and they heard him teach in parables. And teach about God's amazing grace and love. These are the ones who saw firsthand when Jesus, you know, took and he brought healing to people who were broken and hurting. These are the ones who were there when, you know, Jesus was talking to this woman at the well. Remember, she scattered and went away and, and, and Jesus explains to them who she is and she brings the crowd back because her life is forever changed. These are the ones who were, you know, in the boat with Jesus, and there was a storm, and they were terrified and thought they were going to die, and Jesus says to the waves, the storm, you know, be calm. These are the ones who witnessed his teaching, his healing, his power, who witnessed what God really was all about as they lived day in and day out with Jesus. You are my witnesses, Jesus says. And he's going to prepare to send them out. Now, before he sends them out, of course, he gives them this promise. He gives them this promise. This is the last verse that we had here from our text today, Luke 24, verse 49. Let's read this together. I am sending you what my father promised. Wait here in the city until you receive power from heaven. Depending on your translation, power from on high. Now, do you know what Jesus is speaking about here? 
Yeah, here's me say it's the Holy Spirit. You know, this is, this is what we celebrate usually the first part of June or end of May, depending on how the calendar works out, is Pentecost Sunday. You know, the flames, tongues of fire, and they're speaking in multiple languages, you know, perfectly. I wish that could happen. I could go and travel to Czech Republic and Poland, speak perfect Czech and Polish. And also, Panashimu is another language they speak there in Silesian. And God bless my daughter, who has learned quite a few of these languages, at least somewhat. So, at least I have someone I can lean on. Whew. But they're going to promise the Holy Spirit, who's not just going to enable them to speak, you know, multiple languages, but it's going to empower them and embolden them and really help them to kind of really make sense of everything they have witnessed, that they understand. They understand as the Holy Spirit empowers them, as Jesus said, you know, that this is what the scriptures are all about, that this is the God, you know, who created us to be in relationship with him and how that sin broke that relationship. And how Jesus was God's promise to restore that relationship. That through Jesus, you know, they would call people to repentance and offer the certainty of God's forgiveness in Jesus. And the promise of eternal life. So as you think about those apostles, you know, going out into the ends of the earth, beginning in Jerusalem. You know, they go empowered by God's spirit. That's great. As you think about, you know, those guys going out, it's amazing. And it reminds us in many ways, like we think about missionaries, you know, we've had Gary Tease here before, and, you know, and, and, you know, some of us are going off, you know, to some mission trips this summer. But if you remember, back in May, we had a series, and we ended that series, you know, with a commissioning service. Do you remember that? Some of you are like, no. That's well, too long ago. So you're like, yeah, I do remember that. You know, and so let's listen to these words again. Let's read these words again of Jesus. Luke 24, verse 48. You are witnesses to these things. Jesus spoke those words to those who were gathered with him that day when he was ascended into heaven. But he also speaks these words to us today. We are witnesses of these things. Now, if we're honest, most of us get a little nervous, I think, when think about witnessing. When we hear those words, yeah, that's not me, that's not my guilt, that's not my skill set. I think part of the challenge is, 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 there, is our mindset. Well, let me show you this picture here. In this picture here, there are two gentlemen in this picture. Can you tell me what these two gentlemen, this is a court of law, by the way. They've got two roles here. What are the roles that these guys have? Yeah, one is a, is a witness, and one is a lawyer or attorney. So the mindset that I think a lot of us have when we hear those words, that Jesus says, you are my witnesses, or when we had the commissioning service here in Mary, you're like, well, say the words, Pastor, but I don't know, um, is that we are trying to think often of ourselves as being like an attorney, being an expert in the law, being an expert in everything in theology and scripture. But Jesus doesn't say you have to, to his followers, you have to be an attorney. You have to be an expert. He says that we are called to be his what? His witnesses. And a witness, if you remember the definition, a witness is someone who has this firsthand experience of something they've seen, heard, or experienced. So while you may not know all the books of the Bible, all the verses of the Bible, you may not know all the depths of theology, the stacks of books like this, but you are witnesses of God's love and grace in your life. 
You are witnesses to his presence and his healing that he's brought you. We are witnesses to his love. We can witness, we can, we can testify ourselves that we know that God created us to be in a relationship with him. And God created humanity. Read this in Genesis. God created humanity to be in a relationship with him. And sin messed that up. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they broke that relationship. And for all of creation, all of humanity, sin has become part of our world, part of our lives. You know, not only what we see on the news, but what we see in our own lives and our own relationships. And we can witness and testify that God's design is not what we see right now. We can also witness the fact that because we gather here today, we don't gather here as people who are perfect. And if somebody sitting next to you thinks they're perfect, just give them a good job with it. No, don't do that. Hey, you know, um, we don't gather here as Christians because we're perfect. We gather here because we know we're not, and we know there's nothing that we can do. There's no, there's no good things that we can do that offset the sin in our lives. That is Jesus alone. His suffering and death on the cross that guarantees that our sins are forgiven, that ensures us that our sins are forgiven, that God loves the world. That Bible verse sometimes called the gospel in a nutshell from John's gospel, John 3.16, God so loved the world, God loved the world this way, that he gave his one and only son. We can be witnesses to the fact that I am not perfect, but God loves me and God forgives me. We can be witnesses, not only to God's love for us in Jesus, but to the life that we have in God. The life we have in knowing that even though life may not always be perfect, and there are challenges and hardships, that we have a God who hears us as we call to him in prayer. We have a God who loves us and is always with us. We are witnesses of God's love. Perfect? No. But witnesses to the love that he has for us in Jesus. And so we can be witnesses to everybody that we encounter. And here's one truth about the people that we encounter in life each and every day. As we're traveling, watching sports, you know, um, going on vacation. Everyone we encounter is someone that God loves and Jesus died for. Now think about that just for a second. Because I'm sure you have somebody somewhere in your life where you are like this, just kind of doubting heads. The person on Facebook that maybe you get into an argument, you know, about politics or what fireworks are the best or, you know, are hot dogs better than hamburgers? I don't know. You know, it's kind of people you have conflict with. You know what? God loves them. God loves you. Or that sibling that maybe you're estranged from. Or that neighbor that was letting fireworks off at 3.20 this morning. I only know that because I was awake at 3.20 this morning. Because um, I would probably slept right through it. I'm trying to adjust my time, body, time clock for traveling here later this week. And God loves the person that does not think like us, does not maybe look like us, or speak like us, or act like us, that their life choices are different than our life choices. God loves everyone we encounter. From the people that are dearest to us to the people that are the most frustrating and challenging for us to the people we don't even know. Every day, everyone we encounter is someone that God loves. 
course, maybe the first person that you encounter is you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you see yourself. Someone that God loves. And we are called to be witnesses of his love. So how can we be witnesses of his love? Well, I could give you probably 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 ways, and we could be here a long time. But I'm going to give you five, five really, I think, simple ways and just kind of broad ways we can witness to God's love. We can show God's love to others, those that we encounter throughout the week. Number one, show God's love by listening. Sometimes, I mean, thinking differently than I do when I'm typing, and, you know, we, we don't listen. Or back in May, you know, we reviewed the three A's for, you know, how do we share our faith. If you remember what the three A's are, ask, admire, admit. Some of you have them, good. Yeah, the first thing is you ask, and if you're going to ask, you're going to have to do what? Listen. And listening also shows someone that you value them. It's how you get to know someone. You get to know their story. Even James, you know, writes we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. But listening. Another way, show God's love with generosity. As we are generous in small ways and big ways, whether it's cash or, or our time or some other, you know, resource that we have, we are in showing generosity. We are in a small way witnessing to God's generosity towards us in Jesus. I mean, one of the ways that many of you have been generous just today is you're piling on this table here, you know, things for s'mores and other candies and water balloons that will take over to the Czech Republic and Poland. Now, those kids may not know all of your faces, but your generosity is one of the ways that, you know, from behind the scenes, you're helping us as a church witness to God's love, to show God's love. So you can show God's love by listening. You can show God's love with generosity. You can show God's love by encouraging. Man, there's a lot of folks that could use some encouraging words that are struggling, that are hurting. And rather than being known maybe for being people who are mean and angry, but as followers of Jesus, we're known for being encouraging people, especially when people are challenged with life, when life seems overwhelming, when they hurt. When they're confused, whether it's words that we speak, we, we don't have to just keep your mouth silent and listen. You can't speak. So you can encourage them that way or write a note, old-fashioned, you know, get out a card, write a note to someone, and write an encouraging word or post it on social media, something encouraging. How else can we do this? We can also show God's love by praying for others. Kind of goes in hand with encouraging. Who can pray for someone? Studies continue to show that even though, you know, demographically and religiously, America is changing in some ways. There are still a lot of us that, even though they may not be on church on Sunday morning, they're still religious. They still believe there's a God out there, and they still pray. And so it's amazing how powerful it can be to someone to show God's love by saying, rather than all kinds of other things we could say, is, well, could I pray for you? Can I pray about that? And I encourage you to do that. See, depending where you're at, if you're comfortable, do a quick prayer right there if they're okay with it. I mean, if they just shared that they lost their job or that, you know, loved one's in the hospital or they're struggling, you know, with their teenage kids or their marriage is struggling, you know, simple prayers, God, please be with in this situation. Amen. And then you can write yourself a note and say, I'll keep praying for you. Go back and talk to them again. Or I got a prayer app that I use and I put it in my prayer app and it pops up on my phone and reminds me to pray. 
We can be encouraging. We can pray for others. And then, told you I gave you five, we can show God's love with acts of kindness. Little acts of kindness. Big acts of kindness. Being kind. Or another way of putting this comes from, you know, John's letter and comes from the words of Jesus in a song that many of you know. know. They will know we are Christians. They will know we are followers of Jesus by our what? By our love. By our kindness. It's a great way to witness that God's kindness towards us in Jesus is we are kind to others. In the Holy Spirit, you know, we say we're all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So growing in Jesus is not just filling our heads with knowledge about Jesus. It's growing in this relationship, growing in our understanding of his love for us and how that love shapes us. And then us sharing that love, sharing that love with one another, sharing that love with about 95 kids or so in the Czech Republic in Poland. Sharing that love with that annoying neighbor that lit fireworks off at 3.20 this morning. Um, sharing that love with everyone we encounter, because everyone we encounter is someone God loves. So we have, over the last number of sermons, you know, been kind of giving you a question to ponder. So I'm going to give you another question here. I just want a little bit of pondering, but put it into action. I want to challenge you, you know, take a screenshot of this, write this on a note, put it on a sticky note, don't forget it. Um, but ask yourself this question, you know, with God's help. Every day in the month of July. Simple question. How will I witness to God's love this day? It doesn't have to be a dramatic way. Let me one small way that you can witness to God's love. With someone that you encounter. Someone God brings into your life this month. It could be someone you know. It could be a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker. It could be a stranger. It could be someone at the coffee shop, the gas station, at the ballpark, in the airport, on the airplane wherever. Because unless you're a hermit, you're going to encounter someone that God loves. And each and every day, of course, you're going to encounter yourself, someone that God loves. Simple question. How will I witness to God's love this day? Let's pray. Lord God, sometimes we think about witnessing, we, we, well, we make it bigger than what it really is. And while, Lord, there are those of us who are gifted and skilled and excited to be more like an attorney, we've got all kinds of knowledge and we, we travel and we talk and most of us Lord you know maybe are not quite there but we are witnesses we've experienced your love so Lord we pray that you help us to really understand how you have shaped us with your love and how in small ways Lord we can we can witness to your love as we encounter those you love we pray this Jesus in your name amen for more information about Holy Savior including service times and location please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.